Radio Tiny House is on the air. Our shed home has been shared on the internet more than three million times. Kind of cool, but kind of weird, too. Anyway, welcome to the show. Welcome to Radio Tiny House. I'm Barry Smith. And I'm Beth. And here we are today. It's another day. It's a beautiful day. Yes. We had some uh, horrible heat wave come through here. Heat wave. Well, we can't complain. It wasn't 115 like they've had in California True. and parts west. It's all, well, we did have, it was felt like 105. It was day. hot. It was humid. But we really haven't had much in the way of that. We've just had a ton of rain, as we've talked about before. So yes. we're delighted that it's sunny outside and it's sort of normal feeling outside right I, I, I don't know what the temperature is i could look it up i now have a, a pretty good feeling of what noah felt like for at least a couple of days oh during all the rain yes we've had a lot of rain it's been crazy but i guess we should be happy because we could be deserty we could be deserty have the rain and we have had years where our our front pasture has been just like being in in a dust bowl i mean it's been so dry that when you go over it with a lawnmower you get more dust than you do than you cut grass some Part of my brain knows this, even though it's a kind of a weird thing to know, that we're supposed to, we get on average 67 inches of rain. Now, this year, I'll be curious to know how much we actually do get, because I think it's probably 87 inches oh, of rain or 107 inches of rain. It will be interesting to see that. Yeah, it will be. Now, and I, I don't, I mean, I have a rain gauge, but lately I've just, it's been so it's full, just full. I've uh, just been going out and just dumping it. I haven't even checked. Right. So we hope you're having a comfortable summer. Um, yeah. Summer's supposed to be a little uncomfortable. We want hot, steamy weather so we can go to the beach and the pool and that kind of thing. Well, we want hot weather. Well, in the steamy south, is, well, you get we hot expect and steamy. steamy. But honestly, weirdly, sometimes when I go away and I come back, like I've been to the desert or something, I come back and I feel the hot, steamy southern weather. I feel, ah, I'm home. Yep. So you do get a steam bath. There, here. There is something... Um, Homey. Oddly homey Weirdly about, about, about <laughs> humidity. Southern humidity. Anyway. Now, I will say, that. we lived in Louisiana for a time. Oh, my and, gosh. And Beth and I both basically grew up in the Atlanta area, and neither one of us was prepared for the humidity. No, in, they said it'll be hot and LA. humid here. I'm like, ah, no problem. Louisiana, L.A., not L.A., Los Angeles, L.A. Right. No, that's the opposite. Yes. No, I said, oh, no problem. We're used to heat and humidity. I had no idea the, what I was talking about. The humidity there... Could be used as a weapon by the military. Right. We did have to buy a pressure washer to regularly wash off our driveway because it was so full of mildew and it yuck. Was, it, was it was pretty awful. But hot anyway, and humid. anyway well, we digress. On, on with the show, on as with they the show. say. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about our mini split fix. It's finally fixed. Knock finally on fixed. wood. And we couldn't do it ourselves. We had to call a pro. Right. We'll talk right. about that. And um, it was horrible. It was a. It was a. Surgery is what he did. It was surgery. Um, and I watched. It was, it was, it was, I'll never be able to sleep again. Uh, it was just gross, you know. Uh, we have invasive bees. We're going to talk about that. How in the world did we get invasive bees? I don't During know. a COVID summer. I don't know the answer to that. And we're going to talk about, oh, rats. Yeah. We, we, we have we, a, we have a little bit of a, of a rat problem we're going to talk about. And we are trying to help you not have such a thing. That's right. So also on this day, I wanted to, uh, I, uh, you know, through Time Hop, which is on my phone, just an app on my phone that looks at pictures and uh, social media posts that, that I've done 
over the years, and it goes back uh, for as long as I've had an iPhone. That's a long time. Uh, and, and for as, as long as I've been on Facebook or whatever. Uh, and it, it, it goes back, so in my case, it goes back about 12 years. But this one is not that quite that far back. Uh, on this day, our um, gas fireplace got installed by our gas company. Yeah. And real briefly, I just want to mention that if you're living in a tiny house or if you're building a shed home, go ahead. Or any house or, or that any you house, own. Right. Even if it's a, it's a you know, 15,000 square foot mount, mansion or a mansion, um, add gas heat. Add a gas fireplace in at least one room because there's going to be times when you run out of power or you can't, you don't run out of power, I guess, when your power goes out and um, it's wintertime and you're going to be cold because your gas heat will keep you warm where your electric heat won't if your power goes out. So right. something so to think about. We live in the country, so we have propane. Right. Um, but you, if you live in the city, you should ha- often have the option to have natural gas right. that's running right by your house. There is some expense to get it from the tank or the line to into your house and then have a some piece of equipment that uses it, right? Right. So we have uh, a gas fire, um, yeah, a vent-free gas fireplace. So because we wanted to keep the heat in. Right. There's some challenges with that. You have to do your homework. It can get kind of moist. Right. And people worry about moisture, particularly in tiny houses. So make sure you do your homework and make sure you have one that's working really well. We bought ours from our uh, gas company because we wanted to be a little careful about that. Right. And it was uh, even on sale. Yeah. And then also, uh, we did choose to have a gas um, cooking surface. Right. Um, some days I rue that because it gets really hot. Um, and I make the smoke alarm go off, which is another conversation for another day. But, um, you know, we do have a way to cook and we have a way to stay warm. Now in tiny house one, the first house we built, it's all electric. Well, we do have this as a backup. So our daughter who lives in tiny house one and our grandkids can come to our house if we lose power. Right. So eventually we'd like to get her her own, but you know, priorities. Um, and so we'd like to have her have a tank and a gas fireplace too. Right. But, um, you know, uh, I think it really makes sense, particularly after the polar vortex went through Texas last year, that if you can have a vent-free fireplace, this is the time to do it. Right. right? Gas, and- propane, if, if you're on propane, propane uh, prices are lower during the summer and early fall than they are in the peak use time in winter. In winter, obviously. That makes sense. Right. Now, our gas prices are crazy right now. I don't really know how that's affected propane. But I would suggest to you that if you think this is a good idea, yes, it's going to cost you something. I, we rent our propane tank, right. like $50 a year or something. But of course, we rent it because they want to make profit on bringing us propane. Right. Um, and that's a couple hundred, $300 or something to fill the thing up. And I'm really compulsive about checking it every year because I want it. We never use a whole We've tank never in a used year. A whole tank. But I want to make sure I always have uh, propane before the winter. Right. And then the cost of the fireplace is anywhere from like $300 on up. Um, and we, ours was a little bit more than that. But you can you can just get one that hangs on the wall. It does you not can. look pretty, but it keeps you warm. And in our smaller spaces, um, we can literally heat the entire house. Um, now, it might not be, you know, downstairs, excuse me, might be 
hotter than upstairs. But the way our house is built, that heat just goes right up our stairs. Right. Now, if you're in a small space like our Shoffice, some some people are heating these Shoffices with these like on-the-wall propane heaters. Mm -hmm. You have to know that that burning of that fire, that flame, emits moisture. So you have to have a way to make sure that you're not dripping, you know, with moisture, an air exchanger or something like that. But as a... I, honestly, I wouldn't mind some moisture if I was freezing in the, to- you know, the polar vortex. Right. You know, and you deal with it later. But um, I do recommend you have some way to vent, like a run your vent fan in your bathroom if you've got that heater on to get that moisture out of your house. But uh, that's another conversation for another day. But we um, are delighted that we have our backup heat. Most definitely. We use it uh, frequently. Sometimes Beth just uses it to warm her backside. When right. She's, I just rotate mine. I'm cold. like a rotisserie. She I'm is. like, I'm a little chilled around the edges. She's like a chicken on a rotisserie. Right. I do uh, love the ambiance of radiant heat right? and fire. So that's another nice thing. Sometimes I just use it, not for cosmetic reasons, that'd be the wrong term, but just because I want ambience. it. Ambiance. Ambiance or comfort. You know, if, if it's Christmas day and it's Right. You know, if, or if it's snowy 50, outside. 55 degrees outside, then we'll still turn it on because it's, you know, right. it's but good ambiance. Even if I have heat and it's snowy outside, I might want to have the right. whatever. The and, on. you know, we do have mini splits, which are run by a heat pump. So there's some thought that after, because I don't know that we've done any research about it, but there's some thought that after really, really cold, like below zero, um, we could run into a little bit of problems staying yes. warm. Yeah, heat, so, heat pumps don't work well in extremely cold temperatures. Right, and you have to have special ones for extremely cold. So, yeah, we've got a backup, and we really like having backup systems. Most definitely. So if you're, I mean, you know, if you're watching to this or listening to us uh, on the podcast, then you have a thought, at least, or maybe you're in the process of having a tiny house or a shed home. And uh, so I would really recommend that you, you figure out a way uh, to get propane or to have, if you're close to a gas a wood burner, line, if people a wood, want burning wood burning stove, anything like that that can keep you warm. Uh, if you're still, if you're going with electric because you don't want to have, you know, everything be gas, uh, because there, there are kind of bonuses to having a mix of things. Yes. Um, but uh, I would highly recommend a, a, a gas fireplace of some type. Yeah, we have no regrets about having that gas fireplace. All. So, yeah. So, um, on this day... Except maybe when the cat gets up on it, knocks everything off. Well, of yeah, it. but that's not its fault. It's her fault. <laughs> well, yes. Anyway. We, and we can fault her for a lot of things. Yeah, but listen, that's a completely different thing because we've crazy. got to talk about other stuff. Other stuff. So, but we got in a little bit of a gas company, a gas fireplace discussion but i think it's important are you saying we're gassy today yes we are (laughs) we are gassy today so in our tough shed home we have a mini split system yes and uh we've been having an air an air an air conditioning system if for those that don't know that does both heat and And air right so we've had a problem that uh, and we've talked about it here that it was dripping on us and it was I thought that not it was, on us not but on, on us, our wall on our on, floor uh, in the house I thought well if you stood under it it could have it dripped could. it dripped on me one day it actually poured on me one day yes um and we you know I I had been such uh, suctioning out the condensation line with a shop vac and then we took the face off and cleaned, and cleaned it within an that. inch of its life yep and we still had leaks. And so we finally had to call a professional. Which we probably should have done to start with. Right, take a look at it. And it wasn't a clogged condensation line. I think one of them... 
I think at some point there was some. Yeah, because we got a bunch of nasty stuff out of it. Um, but it was uh, a, a, a blocked blower fan wheel or whatever you would call that thing. So he had to come in and take the entire thing apart. I mean, he took, I just took the, the face of it off, but he took the the condensation coils or panels, really, because it's not coils, uh, out of the thing and gutted it. I mean, it looked like, you know, he had pulled its guts out. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was horrible to look at because it looked like it wasn't ever going to go back together. And I thought, oh my gosh. But then I thought he probably knows what he's doing. So he pulled off the blower wheel, which is about this big and it's got fins on it. So it looks like a paddle wheel. And they were completely gunked up with gus, the dust. Now that's not anything I can get to. Uh, and you clean. shouldn't. No. Well, here's the other thing is we run our ceiling fans because it's upstairs and right. we run the ceiling fan. So I know there's stuff swirling around. This unit is about three years old. Right. Um, and actually a little older than that because we put it in before we actually moved that, in. That's true. Because we were we so hot. Um, and so he says you just have to have this done regularly. It was not inexpensive to have him come. No, it was not. Uh, several hundred dollars. But... Um, our mini split is working again. And he said that this is, you know, this is something we're going to have to, you know, do. do. It's just part of the maintenance. And, and if, I, you, if you have mini splits, you're going to have to do it too, because they're all basically made exactly the same. So not, I, I'm not going to get technical because I don't know the real technical piece of it, but I'm going to let everybody know what he said. So when the, when the air is blocked, because the, the blow wheel or whatever you want to call it's it too gunked is, up. is too gunked up. It doesn't give enough airflow over the coils to disperse the water vapor. And so they they get cold and then they get ice on them. So and they that, sort of freeze up like freeze a regular up, yeah. HVAC will also freeze up right. from time so, to time. So by cleaning that wheel, it allows more airflow to go over that and they don't freeze up. And we've been actually cold. Upstairs. It did change the amount of uh, air coming out and whatever. And of course, after time, we didn't realize that it was kind of going right lower. And now it's like, oh, I'm freezing. So um, yeah, so we fixed our mini split. We're going to have them come service the downstairs one uh, yes. whenever they get a minute. Right now, they're in way backed up because everybody wants their air conditioning fixed. Um, but he he did say that he thinks that the we are going to go toward mini splits, yeah, not he, just going to be people in tiny homes or people who have a onesie more and more we're going to go to a ductless system right right because you don't have to have as much space mm -hmm. and because they're way more energy efficient than way the more. big air handlers we pay are. nothing on our air bill like we used to pay yeah. now our house is smaller right. and well insulated but um you know for we we insulate we run two head units and one compressor for less than a hundred dollars in the hottest of, day, of years right. And, and so we're, we're really delighted with the energy or the lack of energy consumption. And in fact, we've talked about like having some backup, like solar and whatever. And mini splits are also super efficient that way. Right. So, yeah. And, yeah. and if you're, again, if you're living in a, a tiny house or if you want to have a tiny house or a shed home, um, these are probably, mini split systems are going to probably be a much better option than having ductwork through your already tiny house because you've got to have the space for that. Um, it gets I, more complicated if you have four bedrooms and a right this room and a that room and the other thing. You know there are some complications around there. They are coming up with new ways to solve that, but there are complications around it. But if you have an open concept room, 
Um, if you have, um, you know, like we have one up, one down, basically big open rooms. Right. Works beautifully for us. It does work great for Except us. Except for the way it leaks. So we're going to try never to have that happen to right. us again. And, and he also said, you know, we were, I said, well, let's just do a service plan. And he said, well, we wouldn't cover, we, this would not be covered under a service plan because it's. You're just going to have to plan to do it. You're just going to have to plan to do it every three or four years. So So, we've also started turning off the ceiling fan to keep so much, like, you know, just dust and dander from floating through the air when we're not physically in that room. So I'm hoping that'll help, too. Yeah, I hope so, too. So, But it's working now. Yes. So for now... And no, Knock on wood. And and then now we have to repair the floor underneath it, but we hate uh, our floors, as we've yes. mentioned several times anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that <laughs> in another day. All right. We'll, ha- so, we'll have a big, once we get them fixed, we'll have a big celebration and show you pictures of what we've come up with right. for replacing that floor that we hate. Yes, because it's going to be much better than what we have. Yeah. Yes. We have a, we have a box of it sitting right over here that... Um, I would rather burn than replace and, the than replace problem. That, yeah, with than it. fix the problem with that. Okay. But anyway, so our our next uh, topic is uh, had been an issue for a couple of days. Our uh, daughter that lives on our property with us went out one morning to feed the goats and the our, bunnies and the bunnies and the chickens and and what we'll get to after this. And she said, "Dad, there's some weird looking bees or hornets that are." clinging to one of our metal gates. And I thought, well, that's weird. Maybe they built a nest up inside of it. Right. And she's allergic to some sort of bee. So we don't, she's kind of nervous about them. Right. So she's not sure what stung her that she had an allergy attack from. Right. So I went out and sprayed them with, um, hot shot, hot shot, flying insect kind of killer. And I also took the, the hornet spray out there just in case they had built, they were hornets and they had built a nest somewhere. But I sprayed them, and uh, there were like five of them out there, and they died. But then the next day, she came back, and she said, those things are back. And so I went back out and sprayed them again, but she had taken a picture of them. And so I, she sent the picture to me. I went on my, I don't I think it's iNaturalist or something like that. I have that. I'm assuming that's what you have. And uh, looked, looked it up. And it turns out that they're sculptured resin bees, and they're an invasive species of bees. Why would you name sculpted resin bees? That's the first question. Yeah, I don't know. What a resin bee is. Maybe they resin and they live in trees. They they, Tree resin. Well, they live in uh, the holes made by carpenter bees. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they go in and and eat the larvae of the carpenter bees, and uh, so that you don't get that next generation of carpenter bees. And... um, then they live in those holes. Well, that's good if you don't want carpenter bees, but it's bad if you don't well, want sculpted resin bees. Right. The challenge with that, of course, is, um, well, they're not native. They're native to Japan and other areas of, of Probably Asia. Probably came over on some shipping, wooden shipping container they or something. I, did, I read history about them. They came over in 1996, and they first appeared at a port in North Carolina, uh. and then basically they've gone up into Virginia and, and down into Texas, and they're mo- mostly in the southeastern states. But the University of Georgia says, if you see these on your on your property, can you please let us know? So I went uh, into... And reported and, them? And I reported them. Yes. So it goes on their permanent record now. <laughs> exactly. I reported them to the... Um, the folks at uh, at University of Georgia, and they are, I mean, there's, you can kill them. They're pretty easy to kill. They're not fast movers, and they don't 
they're pretty docile. They don't sting you really. They they have to be feel really threatened in order to to sting somebody. Not like a yellow jacket that will just you know find you a mile away and just sting you out of spite. Right. Um, so um, I mean they're easy to to deal with, but they're just trying to track their migration through Georgia, and right now they're as far south as like Macon, and as far north as we are. But they are moving broader and more southerly interesting so well i don't mean i don't know what they can do about it except just well, know they can't do anything except for know that they're they're there and and i'm sure you know a lot of people go what in the world are these things this is the weirdest looking bee i've ever seen yeah kind of a weird looking bee i'm gonna get some water okay get some water i i mean one day when we lived at our at house in uh alpharetta we had a cicada killer that i found and i thought it was just a giant wasp or hornet and that thing was literally about that big and um so i had to look that up and see what it was and it was a cicada killer now we didn't have cicadas this year on our property no. we had them around us but we didn't have them on our property so we didn't see any of the cicada killers uh but we did have these invasive uh sculptured resin bees well that's another thing of why we love or why we hate living in rural <laughs> land. I mean, we did a our last, um, last couple two. weeks ago, yeah, we, did we did why 10 reasons why we love or 10 reasons why we hate yep. living rurally. And of course, one of the things we would say we probably hate about living rurally that we didn't add to the list is all the bugs. Yeah, there are lots because, of bugs. Because, you know, we live in the South where flies, there's bug heaven. Gnats, which yeah. are, I mean, honestly, I'd rather have bees than gnats. Well, except by, yeah, not me. So, no, right. you're allergic to, so, to some kind of sting. So um, we've got rats. We do have rats. Oh, drats. Oh, drats. We have in, rats. In, in, our, uh, in our barn. Now, they're not outside the barn much. They don't really go outside the confines of the barn except to go up in front of the barn and eat chicken food well the reason we have rats is first off we live in a there's a lot of uh like overgrowth uh, because around we're, us but partly because we're trying to fight the growth back because of 67 to 87 or 97 inches of rain right right so we live <laughs> live in this tropical place that wants to come in on us so we're always fighting that back but secondarily um you know when you feed chickens and bunnies and goats there's always little pieces of grain that are left, and rats seek it out. They use the cover of some of that overgrowth to hide, and then right. they find a nice, warm, dry place to live. Right. And um, we f saw a few of them didn't realize how fast they would replicate, and so we've been fighting the rat fight for a while. Right. I got cat, I got rat bait. I got an electrocution chamber, which sounds terrible. I never did implement the electrocution <laughs> chamber. Couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, and then uh, the and bait that thing helped must pack a wallop because it took four. Were they D or C size batteries? Four C size batteries. I finally took it back to Tractor Supply. I couldn't bring myself to electrocute them. And then, um, uh, so we got rid of a lot of them with some uh, bait killer. But we got, you know, we have dogs and goats and chickens and bunnies, and we don't want them to get into that. Right. Bait. It's, hard, it's hard to put it in the right places. Poison down. Right. And we kind of hate that. So. So we tried a bucket thing that has a little flipper on it. And that didn't work. That didn't work at all. I mean, it might have if we had been more patient, but we don't really have a place to put it. So long story, 
Barry decided he was going to start sniping rats. I, uh, <laughs> and sorry, this, I mean, if this is a sensitive topic, maybe we should have a sensitivity monitor yeah, in front w- of this. But warning, if, if we're you're gonna, triggered we're talk about... by this, you might not want to hear yeah. about rats. But, I mean, we're not going to describe anything in graphic detail. But No, but we are on a p- campaign to eliminate the rats because they are vermin and they carry diseases and they, that cross over to humans right, and chickens and bunnies eat eggs and they will I did find the evidence the I did find the evidence of one egg being eaten so but it's more I mean I'm less worried about the chickens and the bunnies than us getting sick and so Barry is on a mission now to sniper the rats and he calls me every day we're not going to talk about numbers but he'll tell me what his number of rats are <laughs> And um, we're my, working... My rat tally. It's <laughs> rat tally. We're working on getting the rats out of the barn. And, and they replicate so fast oh. that if we don't manage it, that we will have them yeah, in our house. Everywhere, yeah. We I'm don't, afraid. We want to keep them out of the house. Uh, right now, they're kind of isolated to uh, the long grass that's in the garden and then the, the fenced-off area. Well, they use that for camouflage. Right. So we're trying to keep that mode, but, but it's been hard. they have tunneled all under the barn. They've, I'm afraid they've... Um, on, the barn is on skids, and I'm afraid they've undermined a side of it that we're going to have to uh, lift it and figure it out how they, to fix it. They've completely undermined the uh, the concrete pavers that we put yeah. under the bunny hutch. Um, so they wouldn't dig and out. And they've dug... They've gotten into the bunny hutch and had been eating the bunny's food. So... Yeah, um, got to get rid of them. Uh, and so it, it's going to be a while. Most of what I have was a little too powerful to shoot rats in the backyard with. So we went and got a, uh, a pellet rifle, um, which is not only a lot of fun to shoot, but it's uh, very accurate. So I've been able to dispatch a number of rats. Um, but, you know, it's... That might to, be one of the things I hate about living in rural life. Rats. Having rats slash well, mice in, in my barn. To me, shooting them is a little more humane than poisoning them and have them die a horrible death over a period of days. Well, I don't know if that's a horrible death, but I, I mean, it's hard to, it's, I mean, you know, we're, we're sort of animal lovers. We didn't want to kill things, but we, we also know that we can't be exposed to the, some of the diseases that the rats right. would bring. And we don't want our animals exposed right. to so those kind of things Right, so it's a decision either. you so, have to make. Yep. If you're, going to, if you're going to live rurally and you're going to have animals, then the, this is a decision you're going to have to make. Now, if you're if you're going to put an ADU in your backyard, you might not have to deal with, with rats. Uh, but you might. You never know. You mean um, an a- accessory dwelling unit so you're not living in a hobby? Well, I'm trying no, to follow your train well, of thought. So if you're, I mean, uh, an ADU uh, is a small house. Right, I right. Mean, that's what it will be for somebody. So if you're gonna, if you're living in a tiny house in somebody's backyard, that's not rural. It's not rural. Then you may, you may still have this problem. But chances are, you probably no. Won't. What brought the rats to us? We didn't have the this rats food. until we had chicken food and bunny food and a goat food right. out there. And then they thought this was a, a holiday, and they moved in. <laughs> So yeah, I don't think it's if you if you yeah I don't I think the problem is if you have animals that's that that's where it begins yeah and the cats they're uh, no good they're no good they just look at the rats and go yeah I'll do that another day yeah we do have one I've we have one that's not our cat but she does catch a, a, a mouse every once in a well, while she, yeah I, she catches field mice but yeah, but the, these are big they, they're, these are, these starting, are big I mean, rats. not huge but they're kind of big and I don't think she'd be catching them she's a little cat yeah okay although I will say when we lived in Atlanta. Uh, we had, um, how do I say this? We had prepped for Y2K and we had some food in our attic and, uh, the rat, the 
what were those Norwegian wharf rats? The guy said roof rats. I roof think they rats, were called. Yeah, and, and they um, were in the walls of our house. We had was, to go. That uh, was, yeah, yeah, that's, I don't want that to happen now. So no. that's why we're so having to eliminate them while they're outside. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's that's the rat story. If you have a rat story, if you've got a better way to get rid of them, yes, please tell us because we've short, been fighting I mean, this for a while. Short of a bomb. Um, yeah, and getting rid of our goats. Yeah, yeah, we don't chickens. want to do that. So, um, I mean, let us know. Send us a note at radiotinyhouse uh, at gmail.com and, and, yeah, and give let us, us know how you got rid of your adventures. rats. Or comment in our you YouTube. You may win a rat trophy. Um, I can't imagine anything I would like least. Now, we're, get, we're getting on to something a little bit different here, which has been, um, we've had a lot of people join our uh, group. Well, I've done it. Yeah, you've done it. We've had a lot of people join our group from uh, Canada, specifically from um, Quebec. Um, we would say in the States, we would call it Quebec, but they do have, say Quebec. Um, and I know that only because I looked it up because I wanted to say it right. Because that's the only thing in French I can really say. I can say some choice words in French, but I'm not going to say those here. Uh, but we've had more and more people join us from uh, from Canada. They've been asking about tiny houses in Canada and what they can build and what they can do in Canada. And we have had, I don't know, six or seven in the last few days from Quebec who want to know if they can build and, you know, what they can do in the province of Quebec. And so um, I, I didn't know. So I went and looked it up. So this is, this is for you folks in Canada. Um, so a National Building Code of Quebec uh, does not cover... Uh, any dwelling less than what seven hundred square feet, so that's um, that's good if you're looking for a tiny house under. Oh, well, our square house feet. is sixteen by twenty four, two floors. That's seven sixty eight. You'd have to make it just a little smaller than that, right? In order for that to not be covered by code. So, right. in other words, you can build without code restrictions under seven hundred square feet, and then I think that goes down smaller. It does. It, you can't it, live in anything smaller than... 320 square feet. Okay, so, so you've got a window again, of 320 to 700, 700 for you to live in without having to worry about building codes. Right. But that's outside of the city? That's outside of Quebec City. I guess that's province-wide. But then what they do in Canada is the same thing we kind of do here, is they have, they say this, uh, you know, there's this is the code for the state of Georgia, let's say, whatever it is. But then every municipality can say, you can build that here or you can't build that here. So um, each municipality determines the minimum size of their house. So if you're not in Quebec, but you're in some other place. Right. And as I understand it, most of them most of them have like a citywide. I don't know what you mean by. Siri's talking to us. A citywide or uh, code, and then once you get out of the city, it's pretty well kind of the wild west. Right. But you do have to look up your province to make sure that I'm that that is correct. You do have to look up the municipality in your province to to make sure that's correct. And I don't know. I'm assuming they have permitting slash planning oh, yeah. departments yeah. like we do, like we do. Uh, that so, would be called that name. Uh, but but again. Um, Let's see, 300, oh, so we talked about that, 320 square feet. Um, in Quebec, also, it's um, illegal to install a tiny home as a residential annex. So no ADUs, no tiny homes on wheels in your backyard. 
uh, for grandma to live in or anything like that. Hmm. Hmm. I so, don't think uh, I approve. Says it. <laughs> Neither do they. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> not. But in in this case, and again, we're not experts on this. I'm just reporting what um, what I found. I mean, you, and you, this is, he's doing a Google, a Google report. This is from um, uh, Amanda Harvey at renoquotes.com. So she's, there's a whole page of, of, of what you can and can't do in Quebec on uh, renoquotes.com. It's an article by Amanda Harvey. Um, but we would recommend, just like here, uh, or in, you know, England, we have folks from England and India, um, check on what your local government says, uh, because they may have uh, regulations or restrictions that are different from what your state says. Right. So so funny enough, speaking of that, we were at the kids' open house the other night, and uh, we bumped into <laughs> our inspector. And uh, they were just amazing to help us get our tough shed converted into our a house and make sure it was safe for us. And, you know, in so many of these groups, I've seen people go, oh, I hate inspectors. They're terrible. We had the exact opposite experience. Barry's phone, serious, talking to us. I don't know why. Well, I don't know why either, because I turned off. Okay, so... I'm going to probably edit this out. Beth and the girls got me this wonderful Apple Watch for Father's Day. And... um. When you bring it up to your wrist, sometimes it turns on... Siri. Yes. Or we should say her, not say her name. S-I-R-I. Right. For some reason, she's going off. I thought I turned it off, but uh, apparently not. So anyway. So um, keep your your wrist still, and I'll say that again. Okay. All right. So um, speaking of inspectors, we were at uh, the kids' school open house, and we um, bumped into the our house inspector. Or he said, hey, to me. And, and I haven't seen him in a while. Right. Uh, it took me a minute to remember his name. But anyway, um, he, uh, I said, oh, Barry, go out and talk to the inspector. He's out there. I was filling out some, you know, paperwork. Um, and so they went out and talked, and uh, he, he told Barry that they keep having people come up to them in the inspection office and say they want to have a tough shed built. <laughs> and uh, um, they say, well, you can't do that now because it's no longer being no made. Longer available. So in some ways, I think I've made their lives easier <laughs> as they, we, you know, because our, our tough shed went viral. For those of you who don't know, we've had over 3 million shares, and um but of course, it does say where we live in some of the articles. I think, I yeah, it does. It does. And it says county that we live in, and um, so I'm sure they get a lot of people coming and waving that under their nose and say, "How can I build this right. here?" And because Tough Shed no longer carries them, um, they uh, it's kind of made their life a little easier. I right. think they go, "Well, you have to do something else," because you know there was some were some things we had to do in order to make this meet code. And we wanted it to meet code because we feel that's safer. And right. of course, we're living in a county where we expected that we would, they would, we knew that we would have to meet code because well, we, we'd already built a house here. Right. And we also wanted to build it to code because we want to be able uh, to we, use it as an investment, right? Sell it and sell it if, if we need to. Um, if it's not built to code when you do it, then whatever you do, somebody's not, they're either not going to buy it or you're going to have to get it to code. To sell it. To sell it. And, and that's more expensive to do. Yes. And you may not get a certificate of occupancy. That's right. how we had to get our house done to get insurance. Right. So there's a lot of reasons to do that. But anyway, I just thought so, it was funny. Yeah, it is funny. Um, and, and yes, because when he, he said to me, hello, 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 
and or hey, whatever. And Beth was talking to me at the same time. And so I chased him down. And I said, sorry, I didn't didn't mean to turn my back on you while Beth was yelling at me. To go talk to, <laughs> to the guy. To go talk to the guy, yeah. So I, I chased him down in the hallway and talked to him for a little while. But anyway, uh, one final thing about the uh, uh, Quebec tiny houses. Oh, I thought we were done with that. I'm sorry. Is that uh, the municipalities uh, in Quebec that are very friendly uh, towards um, tiny houses are Latimer, Sherbrooke. Uh, of course, I don't know where any of these are, uh, but Latimer, uh, I'm sorry, not Latimer, Lantier, L-A-N-T-I-E-R, I guess, or Lantier, we would say in the South. Uh, Sherbrooke, uh, St. Marguerite de la Maison. I don't know that either. I'm not, I don't speak French. And um, Dixville and Estrie. Okay. Those are the ones that, that they listed in the article that were very friendly to tiny houses. So if you want to build a tiny house, that might be a, one of those municipalities might be a good place to start. Cool. Cool. All right. I think that's it for today. I'm looking at the uh, the little tablet here we have going on. And um, I think that's it for today. So next week. So next week, we're going to be talking about accessory dwelling units. But I also have, and I'm not sure... When that's going to happen. We're going to do all, I've got a couple of interviews upcoming that I'm excited about. And uh, we'll let you know as they, if they actually come to fruition. Sometimes our technology tangles us and we can't get them to happen. And sometimes people just aren't available. Right. But um, uh, one about an HOA experience and another one about a guy who's doing uh, Airbnb. Right. And being very successful. We did one earlier, Chris Gerhardt. Um, we interviewed him. He had just started. He was building his Airbnb. This guy runs an Airbnb tiny house. And I think if you're going to get into tiny houses, um, one great way to um, create a life for yourself at your tiny house location could be to have an Airbnb. Most definitely. We're going to interview him. And uh, those, those two will be coming up on upcoming episodes. The HOA story is a horror story. And I don't know if I'm going to reveal his uh, all the details about it or not, just for confidentiality. We haven't figured that out yet, but it's probably the worst HOA story I've ever seen. Yeah. So we're definitely. trying to keep you from having that problem. Yep. Indeed. Okay, that's what's coming up. All right, that's it. So we will see you next week. You can find us on uh, at Radio Tiny House. Um, dot com. You can email us at radiotinyhouse at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Tiny Houses Shed Homes. And please, if you would, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to grow ourselves up to the first level that YouTube actually sees us, right. which is a thousand. So, we yeah. have lots of watch hours, but we don't have enough subscribers. So if you could subscribe and hit that notification bell, we'd really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, we'd really it. appreciate it. So make sure that you do that. And for our podcast, our audio podcast, you can find us Anywhere. Anywhere podcasts are podcasting. Thanks. All right. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's me again. Thanks for listening to Radio Tiny House. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at radiotinyhouse at gmail.com or on our Facebook page at Tiny Houses Shed Homes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.